This is What's Your Why presented by the Women in Business Spectacular, a unique equestrian competition that encourages the involvement of women in business and highlights the successes and achievements of those within. Welcome to this special six-part series where you'll meet some fabulous guests of the equestrian competition and will, fingers crossed, learn something new about their path to success and views of the future. Now let's get started, but not before shouting out a huge thank you for giving us your time, and more importantly, for all the support and encouragement along the way. Now sit back, relax, and get your listening ears out, because these women in business have something to say. Ladies, thank you so much for being here. And joining us for the uh, for the special series podcast for the Women in Business Spectacular, we have a few questions we'd love to dive into. Of course, we're here with Patricia Griffith, Jennifer Hannon, and Brooke Baldwin DeGrazia. So the first thing we'd really love to know, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to ask you all the question and give you an opportunity to introduce yourself very quickly. So Patricia, would you mind if you would just introduce yourself to everybody? Hi, I'm Patricia Griffith. I am a rider trainer for the last 23 years at Heritage Farm, which is a large kind of training facility in the Northeast. And currently we have 102 horses. So we keep very busy with that. A mix between hunters, jumpers, and equitation. Uh, And we're currently here showing at the Wellington Equestrian Festival here in Wellington, Florida. Very cool. Jennifer? Hi, I'm Jennifer Hannon. I'm from Wakefield, Rhode Island, and own and operate my business, Ocean Echo, out of Wakefield, my family's farm, and here in Wellington. Currently here in Wellington now, and not quite as big operation as Patricia, probably around 25 we have here. We're here for the remainder of the season. Great. Brooke, how about you? Brooke Baldwin de Grazia from uh, Richfield, Connecticut, own and operate Riverside Farm, which is in North Salem, New York. We have two operations. Like Patricia, we have one in North Salem all year round, and then we are down here in Wellington. We have about 50 horses that are in training with us. I think that anything over three is a big operation. So congratulations to all of you ladies for keeping it together when you're dealing with that many. What exactly do you do? So you all mentioned that you're horse trainers. Is that mostly hunter trainers, jumper trainers, equitation trainers? Maybe give us a little more background on what exactly it is you do. Patricia, I'll start with you again. We kind of do it all. We have everything from six-year-old kids doing short stirrup to 25-year-old riders doing the U25 jumpers and everything in between. I would say we have a very big focus on the junior divisions with the equitation probably because for the last, I would say, decade, we've won one or more major championships each year. Mm -hmm. So I think that the kids like to sort of follow in their friends or their other kids that they look up to in their footsteps, um, whether that's Natalie Jane or Lily Keenan, or, you know, going back to Reed Kessler or Adrian Sternlicht, I think that the kids sort of look to follow in the paths that the others have taken. And so that keeps us very big and and kind of popular in those divisions. Definitely. Definitely. Wow. Those are some some nice names coming out of your operation (laughs) for sure. Jennifer, how about you? So I ride, train and manage and operate my farm. And we are primarily a hunter barn, actually, Mm -hmm. only hunters. And, you know, the the business changes and, and some years it's juniors, but we are primarily amateur adult and amateur riders. We do have a junior rider this year, but primarily adult and amateurs. Do you find that it changes on a regular basis? 
Yeah, I feel like it's kind of every three years it sort of cycles through. For sure, I've had most of my amateur clients since I started my business, which I'm lucky to have. But we've certainly had juniors that have come in and then they've reached their 18th birthday and have gone to college. And that was sort of the end of their riding. Always the hopes that they'll return in some way, shape or form, right? <laughs> Hopefully we spend so much time with them. So Brooke, what about you? What exactly do you do? Some riding, not as much anymore, but some riding and teaching. And we do all aspects, a little bit like Griff on a smaller scale short stirrup to little ponies to hunters and some jumpers. We don't have any U25 or Grand Prix horses, but we have amateur jumpers and amateur hunters and specialize mostly in adults. I'm hearing you guys say that you're you're very diverse in how the your businesses operate. And I'm wondering how easy is that to go from the short stirrup ring to say taking somebody into, you know, a U25 class? or um, even switching gears and dealing with somebody at the older adult ring. How easy is it to manage that? And do you, do you rely on other people to help you? How does that work? Uh, for sure, the easiest part is actually when you're at the ring training them. It's right. managing, like you said, it's, it's the schedule. And you do need a big support system and a big staff. And that, yeah. for sure, we have at Heritage because the U25, for example, could be running over at the stadium field at the same time that let's say the short stirrup is going. So that's where you need a really good, you know, management system to help say, Hey, we're going to go there first, or we're going to split up and somebody else, one of the other trainers who's well-versed in that horse or that rider is going to sort of take that on. You know, one person can for sure can't do it all, especially at a facility like this with this many rings. Yeah. And do you rely a lot on technology or management systems or is it just sort of uh, the old school walkie-talkie radio let's talk back and forth type of thing thankfully the technology is good but the wi-fi is not always good <laughs> you definitely need the radio system and you need like boots on the ground a little bit because sometimes you're looking at your phone and you can't get it to load and you're not sure is, is there really 20 left because it says 20 left for the last 10 yeah. minutes yeah. So then you get a little panicked in the moment. So that's where you you definitely need to go back to the old school, whether you pick up the phone and just call over to one of the starters or somebody that's there and, and sort of right. find out. That can be a little bit of a panicky moment uh, it's at this show, for sure, where the phones don't work great. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, I never thought about that because you just assume they work everywhere, right? They should, but they're the worst here. It's funny when you said whether you pick up the phone and I'm like, what? Pick up the phone? Yeah. <laughs> don't call people anymore. <laughs> So what was your career path and how did you get to where you are today? That's an interesting question. I think that people often start at the beginning, but maybe for the sake of time, young adults, let's maybe start as sort of the at the young adult point. Like, how did you how did you break into where you currently are? I was a working student my whole life and just grew up as a barn rat at Twin Lakes Farm, which is in Eastchester, New York. So I did everything from braiding to, to kind of make my entry money to teaching up down lessons. And I guess just sort of, it sort of took off from there. It was just sort of a local talent. And Andre, I had known him, but never thought that riding there was ever really an option for me. But luckily he kind of noticed something in me and uh, he gave me a really nice horse to ride at the USET finals where I was second. Nice. And then I just sort of went on. I started as a manager there, sort of riding and managing at Heritage. Mm -hmm. 
interestingly enough, I was the smallest of the three trainers at the time because it was Kate Oliver and Andre are both six feet tall. And okay. I was sort of like the pony <laughs> trainer. So I actually started, which actually started really my love for the pony division. That was sort of my breakout niche as a trainer was the ponies. And I had a very famous uh, student, Addison Phillips, mm -hmm. and we had all these great ponies. And then I sort of just really started there kind of as a manager and went to the pony trainer. And then it kind of took off from there. Did you have to jump on them every once in a while? I rode them all. I'm sure Brooke will remember. I mean, I was probably 20 years ago, I was probably 25 pounds lighter, but I was riding Blue Mist and Enchanted oh, wow. Forest. And I didn't ride the small, small ones except for Toy Story because Maggie wow. needed my help with that. But I, I rode a lot of ponies. We had so many that I would just be at the pony ring literally all day and took wow. that on. And I had so many, such a good time with those kids, you know, the yeah, Lilies, yeah. the Reeds and Maggie McAlary's and just enjoyed teaching them. And they, they wanted to win as much as I did. So that was the exciting part. And following all of the career paths that they all took has been really exciting and rewarding. For sure. Just to clarify, are you like 5'9"? Yeah. Five ten. Okay. Just wanted to throw that in there just for, yeah. you know, some thought, I guess. <laughs> and they, they were both way taller than me. They were both wow. six feet. So good for you. Jennifer, how about you? What was your career path and how did you get to where you are today? I grew up in Rhode Island on my family's farm and went through the junior ranks. And then I worked for a guy who is no longer with us, Eddie Horowitz, mm -hmm. for about six years. And had really amazing opportunities. He had a horse for me really in every class and I couldn't have asked for more. We sold a lot of horses, so I was able to get that experience. I was probably, I don't know, 23-ish and I wasn't really sure where I was going or what I was doing. And uh, my mom fell uh, ill and, mm -hmm. and did pass away. So I actually ended up moving home to take care of her and we still had our family farm and it was always her dream that I would go back there and start a business. Mm -hmm. So I sort of got thrown into it at that point. At 23. I was 25 wow. by the time I started. So in 08. And then I, I started the business there and I'm still there today. That was 12 years ago. That's awesome. I had a little help in that shoving you back into it. <laughs> you did. <laughs> shoving? Go was it literally it. shoving? <laughs> well, Rhode Island is not a horse community mm. at all. You know, for sure, there were people that have come out of there, but it's really a very small niche market. So I was definitely quite nervous about it. And I did work with Brooke for a little while and uh, Bonnie and Frank Conniff for a little while in that sort of that year, year and a half, two years where I was deciding what was happening and moving back. And um, for sure, I had a lot of help and a lot of pushing. Yeah. Well, I think to myself at 25, you know, just for comparison and mm -mm, there wouldn't be any opening a business and dealing with family and doing all of that kind of stuff at 25 for me, that's for sure. So that's a huge huge undertaking at a young age. Yeah, I'm very proud of it and so happy that I did and so happy that I had the support around me and everything has worked out so nicely. Great. It's funny, I was doing, you know, I like to do a little bit of research on my guests and um, Patricia, I know you and Brooke, I know you and Jennifer, I don't know you. So I Googled all of you. I don't know if you've ever Googled yourself or not, but Brooke, no. interestingly enough, zero comes up about you. That's a good thing, I think, but I had a hard time finding any information about your history and how you got to where you were. So help fill in the blanks a little for me. Oh, that's funny. You used to find my quarter horse results when you Googled me. So you're right, actually. There's a lot of results. There is a lot of results. Probably because I'm, you know, the oldest of the group here. So let's see. We started at, at Coker before Judy ever owned it. And then, you know, like Patricia 
a barn rat with Judy Richter for many years. And then where did I shove off after that? Here and there, little jobs, you know, up uh, sales barns and back to Norma de la Joyo and all of that in the area. And then I decided, oh, Jeff Teal and I decided to start up a business together. And that's really the step off point for me. Right, right. Where you launched. Yeah. And then Old Salem. And then I thought, this is enough. It's time to go and do it for myself. Yeah, yeah. How old were you when you did that? If you don't mind me asking. That was in, well, we launched Riverside in 1995. Okay. So I was, how old I was then. <laughs> yeah, you guys have uh, have longevity with, with your current situations. That's so nice to hear because I know that in this day and age, lots of people flip-flop and go back and forth and decide what they want and what they don't want. That's quite a feat. Are you planning your show schedule this summer? Don't miss the first ever Saratoga Women in Business Spectacular happening July 13th to 17th at White Hollow Farm. This unique horse show is created by women, operated by women, benefiting women's health and showcasing women in business. This event is something that has never been done before. The Saratoga Women in Business Spectacular will break the mold by having women fulfill all positions for the show while showcasing women in business in the equine world and beyond. This important initiative will not only be beneficial for all that partake, men are certainly invited to attend, but it will also be educational and philanthropic. Proceeds for this event will be donated to organizations that support women's health. Exhibitors and attendees will be offered multiple opportunities throughout the show and beyond to meet, interact, listen and learn from a variety of remarkable women willing to share their career stories and career paths. If you're interested in participating or just want more information, please visit saratogahorseshows.com and we'll see you there. So how would I get to where you are if I chose to follow the same or similar career track? I would say it's probably almost even a little harder today to do what we did. Yeah. Um, but my advice would be once you've decided you really want to do that, I would try to find the place that you want to be and make yourself super available and underfoot and do whatever kind of needs to be done. And you'll learn a lot just sort of by watching, mm -hmm. even if you're not actually riding, you know, or you don't have a ton of riding opportunities. I think for a young kid, a working student position is about working hard and, and feeling like you're part of the team. And then I think it can, it can happen. But I think that they nowadays don't seem to realize just how much work we all really did put into it to get where we are. I think mm -hmm. they think it's a little bit easier than it is. Right. Yeah, definitely. Jennifer, how about you? I would say an echo Patricia, but I think, you know, nowadays there aren't so many opportunities. Heritage actually provides an incredible opportunity for young juniors coming up. Missy Clark does along the same thing, but it's really hard to find those businesses that are big enough to take on a young professional or a young adult that's looking to get into the business. And then you need a little bit of a thick skin and you got to dig in. And there's more times, especially in the beginning, but always that aren't as easy. And you, you really have to persevere and be committed and listen to everybody and take in as much knowledge as you can and listen to each horse, not just about the people, but if you, you know, you get on a horse that's difficult or whatever it may be, you really need to engulf yourself and persevere through 
through the entire thing. Yeah. And be present, it sounds like. A hundred percent. Yeah. Brooke? I agree with all of them. I think you watch and you try to find a, a, a good fit and be ready to work the hours. You know, anything that's asked, just be patient and know it pays off. You know, it is harder now, but there are people out there that have found such good niches like Jared Parameter, right? He's found Tom Wright and he just said, you know, I'm just going to hack some horses in the morning and be available. And now he's showing and winning. And he found a great thing for his starting point. Mm-hmm. And it's just putting your head down. And like they said, you know, do whatever needs to be done. Be prepared for the hours and whatever comes your way. Just keep pushing through. When you mentioned that it's more difficult now, you guys all nodded your head. And yeah. What do you think makes it more difficult now? I don't think there is many opportunities, honestly. Yeah. I see young people come in and they're like, oh, I I just want to ride. Riding is the way to go. I think you got to do more than that. I think you have to know all of it. I think you have to be horsemen. I think you have to want to know about the horse, not just get on, get off and hopefully get to show. Yeah. Patricia, do you have anything to add to that? I, I think it has also become more expensive, too, because I remember for me, OK, I was only getting 20 a main back then. And now I guess it, you would get paid more. But entries, it all is just a little bit more expensive and the horses as well. Yeah. So I know we do provide opportunities and, you know, those are hard to come by. And because the horses are also more expensive, everything is you know, a little bit just across the board, a little bit tighter. Mm -hmm. But like Jen was saying, I think you have to be ready to persevere and you have to be thinking, okay, I got up at four o'clock in the morning every day this week and I worked my tail off and maybe I got to do a class. Maybe I didn't, but I can't get discouraged. It has to be, like she said, someone with a little bit of a thick skin that has the big picture in mind. Because you might not get a horse that week and you might not get a horse next week. But if you get one the following week, you got to be ready to make the most of that opportunity mm-hmm. and to stick with it and to really show that you're kind of in it for the long haul. Do you feel like the rewards are are less? They're, they're few and far between now in comparison to when you guys first started? Do, do you feel like people still have to put in the same work ethic or work effort? Are the rewards still as prevalent? Is there as many of them? I think so. I mean, if you look at a lot of the success stories from Heritage were people that did exactly what I did. I mean, look at Ken Farrington. Yeah. I mean, that was someone from Chicago with borrowed riding clothes that was determined. Mm-hmm. And we saw something in him and, and Andre was like, hey, this kid's willing to do whatever it takes and I'm going to put my neck out and give him a horse of my own or borrow a horse from a customer. And that really took off for him. The same with, I can name a hundred other situations, but those kids were the first one there and the last one to leave. And then when they did get an opportunity, they made the most of it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I was just going to say, I think, you know, it's a little bit harder now because they're from when we were doing it. um, There's so many more people too, you know, it is cost prohibitive and there are more people. Yeah. Do you guys foresee anything that will stop the sport from maintaining that cost prohibitive factor? Do you think it's still going to just continue to go down that path where there's maybe less opportunities? 
I think there'll always be an opportunity. It just depends how hard it is to find it. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it depends on what people want to do, you know, if they want to stay at a lower level and maybe have it not cost as much or really dive in full force. And, you know, they have the the funds to be able to do that. I think there is definitely opportunities. I just think that they're shocked about how much that actually takes. Yeah. Dismissing all of your, you know, high school proms. And if that's worth it to you, I think that in the end, you're going to succeed. Yeah. But I think that, you know, you can't working students, they think they're working students, but when they want to work four days a week and then say one day I'm going to the beach yeah. and the next day, oh, I, I have to, I, I can't make it. I'll be there at 10 a.m. I think they have to devote themselves entirely to doing it. And that takes a special person that takes someone with a lot of foresight that says, hey, this is what I want to do and everything else comes second. Yeah. And I think that when they realize that, then they have to in that moment decide, is that worth it? Is it yeah. worth it to forego, you know, all of these social events and things in order to get up and work the hours I need to work to be given an opportunity to showcase my riding? Yeah, exactly what she said. I, I do think things have changed and I don't want to blame it on social media or but as a kid, I think all of us just grew up in the barn. I mean, we cleaned stalls before we went to school, came home. I know my dad and I did the stalls in the barn and, you know, things are just different now a little bit. And I don't think that always gives every kid the same opportunity that it used to. Things seem to be a little more simple than, right. you know, 20 years ago it was. Right. And now I think these kids have to really realize it and dig, dig a little deeper. And, and like Patricia said, yes, your social aspect is, but you have to have a goal, like an eye on the prize of where you, you really want to end up. Yeah. And I think that's, that's different now. It was, it was a little easier to see that before. So that's just how the world has changed. Do you still see that barn rat mentality? Yes. For sure. Yes. Great. Yeah, that's good. That's good that that still exists and thrives. It's a good place for kids to be and hang out and to, to have that in their life when they're young, for sure. So would you do the same thing again if you were to go back and have a redo or if you were given the opportunity to go back and have a redo? Patricia, I can start with you on that. Yeah, I would absolutely do it again. Yeah. When you look back sometimes on it, if you think if I had to do it again now, I, you're like, oh, God, I'm exhausted. But just <laughs> thinking about it, you're thinking about, you know, braiding 20 horses and then going right to the horse show. And I'm like, if I had to do that right now, I don't know if I could physically do it. My fingers would fall off. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, luckily they were school horses. They were like 20 braids of Maine, but right. <laughs> it still was the hours and school on top of that. And, you know, like Jen said, go to the barn before school. Luckily, I had a uniform. I went to a Catholic girls school, just throw the uniform on, oh, jet over to school, come back. So I would definitely do it again. But I, I just sort of stayed consistent with it. But now if you told me this is what it's going to take and really laid it out. I, it, it seems exhausting. So yeah. I'm glad that that part's over with, but yes, I would, I would do it all again. And, you know, there's so many things about the horse world, you know, whether it's like Brooke said, like she doesn't ride as much anymore, but whether it's judging, I, I love to judge. So when I get to that point, do a little less of one thing and do a little more of the other, it, it's for me, it's, I'm still horse crazy. So yes, I would do it all again. Jennifer, how about you? Oh, hundred percent. I'm always, you know, and for sure I would do it all over again. There's, you know, for sure times where everything felt a little too heavy, but I think that, um, you know, I'm always striving to, to get better, to learn more, to get to the next step. 
And so I would 100% do it all over again. Yeah. And, and I love just being, you know, at the barn and, and working and, and knowing every horse inside and out. Yeah. Brooke? Yeah, I, I would too. There's something very gratifying, you know, A, to teaching. You know, being a teacher is frustrating, but yet so rewarding. So when you're teaching the animal and the people and together and to see it, you know, come together over time just gives you a nice feeling and I would definitely do it again. You know, I started with three horses and I thought, well, we'll just keep doing it. And then you're in the barn. It's peaceful. It's satisfying. It's the end of the day. You're like, Oh wow, that was really a great day. Awesome. It's funny. I always am in awe of um, horse trainers and people that are full full time in the horse world in your capacity, in all three of your capacity. I'm always in awe of the the passion and dedication that you have to not only the sport, but the people involved in terms of, you know, your staff, competition staff, clients, parents. It's there's so many moving parts to it. And you guys are so invested and passionate about it. And then always it comes back to the horses too, which bring us so much joy. And I think that that's just an amazing part of, of the equestrian business as a whole. And on that note, <laughs> sorry, the horses are just such incredible athletes that you just, I mean, some of them you're just in awe of, yeah. um, especially when you have one of those you know, freak athletes and you, you realize that you, you're trying to train all the other ones, you know, to sort of try to do something to the best of their ability. Mm -hmm. It's never a dull moment too, which is why we love it. And like Brooke said, there's something so gratifying about it. I mean, you don't always have a great day, but when you do, it's those moments that just make it all worthwhile. And, and you just, it, it's always exciting when you have one of those days or one of those wins or you see somebody else win in, in your group that it's just, it makes it all worthwhile. And you're chasing that every day and, and striving mm -hmm. to do it better and better. And in a place like this, you've got to do it better and better because everybody's forcing each other to, to raise the, the bar. And, and, you know, especially with the level of riding that you see here in every division, it's just, you know, it's raising you up and it's challenging you to, to keep learning and keep growing and, you know, never just sort of rest on your laurels. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my final question is, what piece of advice do you guys have? One piece of advice that you would give somebody that was in your position X amount of years ago. So maybe say they're 23, 25 and, and looking to move forward. What's your one biggest piece of advice for them? Probably to not be short-sighted and to, you know, really think about the end game and, and just to persevere. And, and not think about the small steps, but think about the big picture. Got it. Jennifer? Well, Patricia just took one. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say there's so many ups and downs and great, unbelievable moments and really low moments that you've really, you've got to keep your sights up and you've got to stay strong and you've got to really have foresight and vision into where you want to end up. That might be at the National Horse Show or, you know, the McClay Finals. And that might be your best at a local show at home. And I think that that's important to keep, you know, just keep clarity at all of that and to, to stay strong and persevere through through it all. Yeah. Yeah. Brooke, what's your lasting advice? 
Yeah. I mean, the girls, obviously we're all sort of on the same page. It's sort of, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, where do you want to end up? You know, you might think it's this direction at first, and then you try that. Maybe that doesn't fit a hundred percent. So you're like, I'm going to try that venue. And that's a, a great match. And then you can keep going from there with great people and learning and, you know, taking something from everybody and keep putting one foot in front of the other. Another thing I would just add is that you never stop learning. You know, I think there's no, I think in order to be in this business, the horses, the courses, the training, the horse shows, everything is ever evolving and you're always going to learn something new. I like to try and learn something every day. Not that I'm successful yeah. at it, but that's, you know, it's like yeah. a goal still. What can I learn today? So I might say, hey, Griff, why are you doing this? Or yeah, just walk up to somebody and say, hey, teach me something today. Yeah. And so nice that you can do that, that you that you're in an industry in an environment that uh, that is something that's prevalent. You know, people like to share their knowledge and and uh, and welcome everybody to move forward. And I think Brooke had another really good point in finding your niche. That would also be my advice. So some of the kids, they start out, you know, I'm going to be a rider. And that's made some of maybe the best managers Mm -hmm. who have very important roles in this industry and are as important as the riders. You, You need those good managers and good people. And you can look at even the top programs, uh, you know, like McLean's and without the Lees and the Erica's running that barn behind the scenes, you wouldn't have the same results. So I think that was an interesting and very good point that, you know, some of these kids, you might love horses and maybe the riding isn't natural to you, but you love the horses. There's still a really good place in this industry for those people as well. Definitely. Yes, definitely. Because it takes a village and all those pieces need to come together. And there's such an you know, integral part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, ladies, I want to be cognizant of your time. I know that it's sort of a day off, not so day off with the horse shows and you guys are all busy people. So I definitely want to thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. And thank you for saying yes to join me today. The conversation is great. And I wish you the best of luck in all of your future endeavors. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, thanks, Helen. It was really nice. Yeah. Thank you, Helen, for having us. Absolutely. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us for this episode of What's Your Why, our listeners, guests, and our sponsors too. It's our hope that you enjoyed your time with us and possibly gained some new perspective as well. It's said that we can learn something new every day if we just listen, and that knowledge has a beginning, but no end. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be safe, be well, and remember, always leave people better than you found them. A Twisted Spur Media Production.